pretend you didn't see the title of this particular episode and very, very quickly tell me which player, all other things being equal, history, precedent, reputation, which player would you take off the power play? Yeah. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots on the other two teams in town that I cover, the Steelers and the Pirates. The Penguins are out in Las Vegas. They'll be practicing today. They'll be playing the Golden Knights tomorrow. Short trip and yet a long trip because they're all the way out in Nevada, and after that, they'll migrate downward to Arizona to face the Coyotes before returning home. The power play has kind of quietly slinked. Is that the past tense of slink or is it slunk? Slunk sounds weird. Let's say slinked. How about this? The power play has quietly regressed (laughs) over the past month or so, ever since it had the breakout from the horrible streak that it endured a couple months ago and along the way it it kind of feels like it's just been accepted not on the inside of course i just mean the rest of us it feels like it's a well yeah this is just the way it's going to be and they have to their credit come up with some real answers at times they have altered their approach they have been a lot more aggressive in just getting the puck to the net Eric Carlson in particular, I think, has been effective at that, and he still doesn't do it often enough. But you're seeing almost everyone who's involved with the top unit making a concerted effort to go to the net, both in terms of moving the puck there and in terms of moving bodies there, all except for one. And you're seeing them do the perimeter thing. You're seeing them uh, have a pretty healthy amount of motion, and you're seeing them be mostly responsible with a puck, not just firing it around the boards and having it come all the way out of the zone or trying to constantly thread the needle through the box through a whole maze of sticks of talented penalty killers who are trained to pick those things off, all except for one. I am not here to pounce on Yevgeny Malkin with every slump. I'm not one of those. I've never been one of those. And to be honest with you, my stomach kind of turns at those who do that on a regular basis because it tends to feel like isolating on the Russian, which is an old time hockey thing that really should be stuck somewhere in the distant past. But he hasn't been good, like at all, on the power play. I could point out that over the past nine games, he has one goal overall, meaning at any strength, but it's probably more appropriate to point out that he has one power play goal over his past, sit down for this, 31 games. And if Gino isn't scoring and he is principally assigned to a gunner's role, on that unit. And that's where he is. He's on that right flank. They're looking to set him up for that one-timer. And you know what? When it connects and it beats the goaltender and it comes flying off of that twine back out of the net, it is a beautiful thing. 
and you are reminded of who he is and what he's accomplished, including on the power play. But it's not happening much at all anymore. Part of the reason for that, I believe, is that he's just not been scoring goals. He hasn't been taking many shots. He's at around two or three shots per game over the past seven. So he hasn't been getting it to the net the way you'd like and the way he needs. He's always needed. That's one thing that's never changed about him from the day he arrived here as a 19-year-old. He always needed to score goals to fuel the rest of his game. Assists didn't do it. It always had to be goals. And when he dries up, a lot of his game dries up because he carries it around with him. He wears it on his sleeve. As he goes out there on the power play, and it affects everything because one irresponsible pass or misfired shot, it's out of the zone. You cost yourself a quarter of your power play. It's going to take you 20 seconds, 30 seconds to reset. It's frustrating. It is. It's frustrating to, to watch. I can imagine how frustrating it is for all involved, especially since now they've got Ricard Raquel back and he's doing well. And you would think that there'd be a boost to the power play, but there's still one guy who's messing up a lot. And that happens to be Gino. And if you think I'm about to declare or even humbly offer some sort of solution, you're nuts because I don't have one. I really don't. I don't envy any component of Mike Sullivan, Todd Reardon, and anyone else involved, even the people who are just analyzing from behind the scenes data and video. I don't envy any of them being connected to this power play because they really don't have a whole heck of a lot to do with it. Yes, of course, Sullivan ultimately decides who's on it, who's on one, who's on two, but that's really it. I got to share with you, the other day I was in Cranberry covering the practice and there was a point in the session where Reardon just said, listen, this is all we're going to do here. Power play one at one end, power play two at the other end. Sullivan wasn't there because of the birth of his first grandchild. So what you had was a situation where you would think Reardon would just kind of take over, right? I don't mean the team. I mean, at least the power plays, which are his thing. And what ended up happening, Reardon stood at center ice. The five guys on power play one huddled like football, almost, almost football style. They weren't hunched over, but they were, the five of them all gathered away from Reardon and away from everybody else while all activity stopped, waiting for them to figure out what they were going to do. That's who runs your power play, Pittsburgh, okay? That's just how it is. I don't think even the most intense fans of this franchise realize the extent to which the players run the power play. And if it keeps going like this, you can be very sure that it won't be the players who change the personnel. That has to happen at the head coach level. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from JK, who says, DK, I have a large photo of Pittsburgh's Golden Triangle on my wall. It was taken from 
down the Ohio River on a beautiful day as a promo picture for the river transportation company that employed me at the time. When I moved to Nashville, I hung it up in my office, and most people here were stunned to find out that this was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh couldn't possibly look that good, and oh, by the way, have that blue of a sky, could it? J.K. hasn't lost his mind if you missed yesterday's episode. I closed the program with uh, kind of an off-the-beaten-path topic of how our city really doesn't do very much to promote itself. And I'm not talking about our official tourism bureaus or whatever, although they're not very good at it either. I'm talking about just us. I'm talking about people who are living here, working here, or just from here. We're just the worst at this. And the hockey tie-in was that, you know, we have some hockey icons here that we do very, very little to acknowledge. That's not okay. I wish, honestly, as someone who lives and works right here in downtown in the heart and soul of the region, that there were more people that would take pride, not just in that scene that you see in that picture that you put up, but also what's in there. You know, um, I'm really fond of saying anytime somebody asks, what's your favorite view of downtown? There's always somebody who tries to be clever and say, well, there's this thing when you come down the parkway north and you go around the one bend and you look and you see the Veterans Bridge and it's, whoa, and it is. That's actually a pretty nice view. You can talk about how it looks from the south side slopes. Mount Washington is the famous one. The West End Overlook is probably right behind it. There's a graveyard up on Spring Hill that's so high altitude-wise that it's almost level visually with the top of the U.S. Steel Tower. Unbelievable view of the city. And yet my answer is always that the best views of downtown are from within downtown. When you come down here and see what the architecture is like, what the parks are like, what the people are like. Now, I say that or I'll write that and... You know, in another city, they'd go, yeah, man, I agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's my city. I love that. Here, you say it and people just dump all over you or they think you're some kind of weirdo. Not everybody, but a lot of buddies. Which is ironic considering we also get all gushy and mushy anytime somebody from the outside has such an observation. Oh, they'll say, oh, yeah, Pittsburgh's great. Tom Hanks was here. A few months ago, filming a movie had all this wonderful stuff to say. Russell Crowe called the architecture in downtown Pittsburgh when he was here filming a movie some of the most fascinating in the world. And we hear that and we go, ooh, yeah, that's great. That's great. They said good stuff. We say it and we pounce on each other. Or worse, we start talking about politics or whatever that has nothing to do with anything. And it's, I, I just, it's exasperating. It's tiring and you know what i am not about to stop i appreciate all of the feedback that i got to that segment and i appreciate everybody who listens to daily shot of penguins we will do another one of these on monday 